0: So today is the National Day of Prayer, National Day of Prayer declared by our president. And so we're going to pray. Hey, all right. So we're going to pray. So Pastor Ron, come up. Uh, We're going to pray here. I'm going to have Pastor Ron pray for us in just a minute here. But uh, I just want to say a couple things here before Pastor Ron uh, and Cliff pray. Uh, As you all well know, this last week, the dam broke. Come on, the dam completely broke, and uh, the coronavirus uh, information and hysteria has absolutely flooded our nation and the world here. The United States government has declared it a national emergency. We have a situation where the World Health Organization has declared it an official global pandemic things have gone crazy this last week. The dominoes then just beginning to roll. They're just beginning to roll. So dominoes are rolling. And so everything like the culture has been canceled. Uh, sports have been canceled. I went to buy, I was going to buy the sport uh, a paper and I looked to see if there's anything to read and there was nothing to read about sports. And so I didn't even buy the the paper this week. I mean, conventions have been canceled, sporting events, schools, universities. Uh, I don't know what the percentage of churches, And so it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented in our lifetime what is happening here. And we're experiencing a national and global crisis, the magnitude of which we have never seen here. And it's thrown our communities into complete chaos and fear. And so every media report then, of course, calms everything down. just really working to calm us all down there. And so, uh, no, but they're, they're just adding fuel to the fire and so fanning the flames of fear that now has kind of erupted in this roaring global wildfire and here we are. And so, yeah, and so the stock markets have lost trillions of dollars and so entire cities have been quarantined. In fact, Nations have been quarantined, like Italy here. And then the panic buying, have you observed... The panic buying there is just out of control here. People stocking up, and uh, I was at Costco this week, and the guy there is shouting one thing of water per person. And so, anyway, all the long lines and everything. And so, the virus, I'm going to talk about, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to talk about the virus. And I'm going to talk about it from a scientific, medical, clinical point of view, just the facts, so we can calibrate our understanding of what it is there. Uh, I study the New England Journal of Medicine. I've read all of their articles this week, and I'm going to give you the facts. And then we're going to talk about what should be our response as Christ followers to the coronavirus. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Ron if he wouldn't come up, and you would welcome him, and uh, he's going to pray for us. So uh, anyway... Uh, Pastor Ron is going to pray. So we very much care about you, care about what you're going through. And so hopefully this morning will reduce your anxiety a little bit here, remind you of the truth, and relieve some of your fears. And so, Pastor Ron, National Day of Prayer, and we would love you to pray. I think this is on. Yeah, you're good. Uh, okay. Uh, I
1: got good news for you you're all going to die one of these days. (laughs) And I I understand that's the gateway to heaven. Last time I heard about it, it's really a great place. (laughs) Isn't it fun to be able to just look at this and uh, it kind of touches your funny bone to see the crazies going on? I don't know when it's all said and done, which will be worse, uh, the pandemic or the panic. (laughs) It's just crazy, isn't it? I think of uh, the scripture saying how that Jesus became flesh and blood, shed his blood to free all those that had been held a lifetime in bondage to the fear of death. I did my own little Google search this morning with a strong concordance because I'm an old guy. I gave up at 50. 50 reading the fear nots, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, has a, And so I think also it's a great opportunity for us, perhaps what may be the greatest opportunity we may have experienced in our lifetimes. Think about this. Apostle Peter writes, and he says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks about the hope that you have within you know that's what we have Amen. we have hope we have confidence in our Savior that's right. we are so blessed isn't it going to be to be great to see how God solves this one Amen. so Lord Jesus we bow before you what a wonder you are I don't think you said oh surprise I don't think that's in your vocabulary I believe, Lord, the boundaries of nations are established by you. I believe all the rulers and leaders through time have been ordained by you. I believe you are still in control of all that's in heaven and all that's on earth. And on the one hand, we see both your wrath and your, your goodness, the goodness and the severity of the Lord. So, Lord... Help us to uh, look into our own hearts and see where there is fear, for perfect love casts out all fear, and how safe we are in the bond of love that you have displayed through Calvary and through the gift of your Son. And I hear you, Lord Jesus, saying to us, fear not, little children, for it's your, good, your Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. And, Lord, we are indeed a kingdom people, and in that sense we are not of this world. We uh, are from and destined for a different place, and even now the kingdom of God is richly abiding in our hearts, and so we thank you, Lord, for the confidence that we have in you. But, Lord, we want to stretch out our hands today and pray for those that are abroad, there's so many people today that are living with a panic and a fear, and they are without God and without hope in the world. Lord, may this be the uh, the, uh, the season of renewal and revival when you sweep the land, you sweep the nations with the glorious good news that Jesus saves, that people can find the comfort of the Spirit of the Lord by yielding their lives, repenting of their sins, and bowing before you, Lord Jesus, and confessing that you are Lord to the glory of God. And may we have the privilege of sharing the hope that we have with those that are needy all around us. And I pray this in Christ's name. And Lord, also, I think of the 91st Psalm, where it speaks of your protection from the pestilence, uh, at night, and the arrows that fly by day, and we take our refuge in you, and we abide under your almighty wing, Lord. You are our safe place. You are our, uh, our, our refuge, our strength in these seasons, and we are so thankful that you brought us out of darkness into the glorious light of your Son, and I pray in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Ron. And so, as you well know, schools are, are shutting down this last week. Uh, that is unprecedented. And so, I thought it would be great if we could just pray for the schools and the leaders of the schools and administration and the teachers and professors. And so, I asked Cliff Ruth, who is the director of our elder board and a, a university professor. And so, he's going to pray for us. Cliff.
2: Cliff. On this national day of prayer, um, we're reminded from God's word to pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. And so let's continue on. Mm -hmm. Father God, thank you for being our foundation, our rock. Amidst everything that's happening in this world, we know that we can continually lean on you. Mm -hmm. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. We want to lift up all of the educational institutions, Lord. Mm -hmm. The homeschools, the charter schools, the private schools, the preschools. The grammar schools and the grade schools, the junior highs, the high schools, the colleges, the universities. And Lord, we pray for a special blessing upon those boards and the administrators that are in the midst of these very difficult decisions, Lord. May you grant them wisdom. We pray for the faculty and the teachers to continue to show patience and compassion and love to all of their students. We pray for the staff members, those that keep the schools functioning. We pray for the students, we pray for the parents, we pray for compassion and understanding. Lord, may this be a time where families get back together with the increased time they have. May the communication continue to flow. May the love continue to flow. May there be some positives that come from this, Lord. Bring the parents, bring the students closer together, Lord. And if there is any anxiety, as your word reminds us, I pray we lean on you. Your open invitation, Lord, and we come Mm -hmm. to you in prayer when that anxiety comes. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, I just pray that there's an air of compassion. There's an air of understanding, Lord. Mm -hmm. There's an air of love that just penetrates all of these institutions and the time Mm -hmm. that will be taken off from them, Lord. And when they reconvene, Lord, may they just come back stronger and closer to you. Mm -hmm. We pray this in your precious name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cliff. So I just want to reiterate that we as a church, we care very much about about you, and um, we are here for you, I am here for you, and so we recognize that this is a time, um, however you interpret it, distill it, and where you land, um, it's very unsettling, and there's a lot of uncertainty that is hanging in the balance. And so we are here for you, and uh, we're going to walk through this together. That's why we have a community. That's why we have a church. We walk through this as a church family. And so um, appreciate Pastor Ron praying and Cliff praying, and um, we'll continue to pray here. So what we're going to do this morning is, is three things. Number one, we're going to take a practical look at the coronavirus And I'm going to unpack it from a scientific medical point of view. The second thing that we're going to do then is we're going to um, talk about from a a Christ-following perspective, what what would be, and and viewing this through scripture, what should be our response and how do we calibrate our thinking based on scripture? And the third thing is we're going to, uh, we'll be praying some more here. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So I'm going to do... A little question and answer, I'm going to ask, ask questions, and then since I'm the only one on stage, I'm going to answer the question, okay? So, so what is the coronavirus? What is the coronavirus? Well, it's a family of viruses. It's actually a family of 69 viruses, And so there are different strains of viruses, and so when they've come to expression, uh, we've been aware of it in the medical community, actually since the 1960s, we've been aware of it. So it's nothing new, it's been decades and decades, that's been documented in the New England Journal of Medicine and many other journals of medicine, but it came to expression uh, in China about uh, 18 years ago. And so, but the virus infects, only seven of the strains infect humans, seven of the strains. But there are uh, many strains which affect animals, which affect pigs and bats and small mammals and things like that. And so... The coronavirus is named the coronavirus because of the uh, uh, anatomical shape of it, because it has these protrusions, which are proteins, which actually allows the virus to stick to things. And so they find their life in cells. Outside of a cell, they die. So a virus always has to find a, a, a cell to inhabit, and that's where it finds its life there. So what's the history of the coronavirus? The history is this, is that again, we've known about it since the 1960s. And so so in uh, two thousand and two two thousand and three the epicenter for the coronavirus was there in China. That was the first expression of it, and so it was contained there within China. about eight thousand people were infected and there was um, uh, people unfortunately had lost their lives, but it was contained there and so uh, what happened then is that eventually the uh, people uh, You've heard of SARS, which, which speaks of severe acute respiratory syndrome. And so what the coronavirus does is it affects the respiratory system. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute here. But the epidemic was uh, contained in China. Uh, the World Health Organization said that only about 8,000 cases were reported there. So the mortality rate was about 95 to 10%. That's very significant for what we're going to talk about in just a moment here. The next outbreak of the coronavirus was about 10 years later. And that was in Saudi Arabia. That was also... Uh, a smaller number of people there, but the mortality or fatality rate was extremely high at about 35 or 36%. It was devastating there, and so unfortunately 2,400 people were affected and about 800 of them died. And so then we didn't hear anything about the coronavirus until December of 2019. In December of 2019, again, the epicenter for the virus was there in Wuhan, China, where uh, the virus was discovered. And so you can Google that to get more information about it. But it's called SARS because, it, again, it's a respiratory uh, uh, syndrome, and the disease is called COVID-19, which stands for coronavirus 2019. So there are rumors that it is mutated. There are rumors that it is mutated. If it mutated, that would be absolutely devastating. But there are no uh, conclusive medical research. And so if you hear something about that, you always have to go back to science and medicine, go back to the New England Journal of Medicine and, and rep, uh, respected journals. But you cannot believe what the culture says because there can be a lot of misinformation and so there's one hundred and fifteen nations which have been affected, and so what is so serious and why we 're so concerned about this virus is because of the rapid spread. Of it, uh, unlike the other two outbreaks of the coronavirus there 's one hundred and twenty six thousand three hundred as of march eleventh laboratory uh, documented cases there so but now think about this this is what I want you to get your minds around of the one hundred and twenty six thousand of the one hundred and twenty six thousand what has happened is that sixty eight thousand have recovered Did you know that like sixty eight thousand Have fully recovered, so more than fifty percent have fully recovered. Um, Of the fifty-three thousand active cases, there, uh, they say that eighty-nine percent, eighty-nine percent, have mild clinical symptomology, mild symptoms. Eighty-nine percent have mild symptoms. Unfortunately, the five thousand of the rest have severe uh, symptoms. And as you know, or probably heard in the media, there's been about uh, over 4,000, 4,600 fatalities. And so the median age for uh, contacting this is between 47 and 59 years old. That's the median age. People under 15 basically don't get it. Um, There's uh, One journal that I read, there was no documented cases that anyone under 15 had gotten it. So that was as of March 11th. So um, there's no cases of children. Uh, in one journal I read, there may be uh, someone, a kid that got it. So how deadly is it? How deadly is the coronavirus? Well, the fatality rate you saw in the SARS was 10%. In uh, Mears in Saudi Arabia was 35%. COVID-19 is about 1%. But because they say that uh, about 20% are asymptomatic, in other words, they don't have any symptoms or mildly symptomatic, that there's a lot that's gonna go undiagnosed of coronavirus. Much of it is going, uh, and so um, the actual fatality rate will probably be much less than 1% is what the medical journals are saying. It may be 0.1% which means that one out of every 100 to one out of every 1,000 people that get coronavirus will die. That's the science. And so it is, it is uh, uh, they're saying about 1% right now. And so the U.S. health officials on just Thursday a couple days ago, briefed lawmakers in Congress and said that they believe the fatality rate in this country will most likely be in the range of 0.1 to one point zero percent. So by comparison, by comparison, the common flu in the United States is 0.1 percent. That's the common flu in the United States. So not to minimize, not trying to minimize this, I'm just giving you the facts. I'm just giving you the science behind it here. And so in reality, the medical community believes that the mortality rate of the new epi- or pandemic here will probably end up being lower than what w- that we're hearing here because of the 20% of the patients that remain completely asymptomatic. The highest risk patients you know, you've heard probably, are over 60, but also with um, compromised health, compromised upper respiratory health. Uh, if they're diabetes mellitus, they're compromised. Uh, and so, uh, so how is it, uh, also renal failure and uh, uh, basic other chronic diseases. So they're predisposed to uh, because they're compromised health, they're predisposed to being most vulnerable and succumbing to the disease. But most of the people, as you're, you're reading about, are over 60 years old. How is the coronavirus transmitted? Well, here's it's, it's how it's transmitted. It's not transmitted by breathing. It's not transmitted <coughs> by breathing. It's interesting to me, in my neighborhood, I'm seeing people walking around with masks on, and that's great and good, and, um, but it's not transmitted by breathing. It's transmitted by liquid. It's transmitted by liquid drops. And what it does, it enters either the oral mucosa, the nasal mucosa, or through your eye gate, through your eyes. That's how it's transmitted. I read one study in the New England Journal of Medicine that the original outbreak of um, uh, the coronavirus, they thought it could be transmitted in other ways through urine. Interesting, there's no, they don't have any research on that now. But what we know of now is it is transmitted through moisture, through someone sneezing or coughing on you. So that's why they talk about the safe social distance of six feet, because normally when you cough or when you sneeze, it's about six feet, but actually a strong one can go up to 12 feet. And so you just need to be mindful of that. It's not contacted through breathing, but through liquid. And so how long does it last? Well, that depends. The virus, because it's, it's a microbe, microorganism that's contained in cells, if it's on a dry, dry area, it will die quickly within hours. If it's moist, it will last for days because the moisture prolongs the lifespan of it there. And so... Um, so this is the this is the facts here. And so, um, how many people does the average person infect? It's two, about two people. Uh, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because it'll keep growing if it, that continues. That's why we isolate. That's why people if they have any. Health symptoms that look like they could have coronavirus. That's why you want to isolate because you don't want it, we don't want it to keep multiplying. That's how it becomes uh, the pandemic increases to exponential levels. And so that's a concern there. When we get it to infecting one person, then it'll be going in in the right direction. And so uh, the closer you are to an affected person, obviously the the more at risk you are, and that's why you would want to distance yourself. So what are the symptoms of the coronavirus? What are the symptoms? What are the, uh, the common, the dominant clinical symptomology of it are these two things. One is cough, that you're coughing, and then the other is that you get a fever. So uh, now people that get diarrhea, don't hit the panic button. It's like you may have had too much pepperoni pizza the night before. Calm down, like 4%, 5%, but I had somebody... Uh, text me indirectly saying, I I got diarrhea. I I think I've got coronavirus. It's like, no, you don't have coronavirus. But I mean, you can, but that's a minimal symptom there. Muscle aches, headache. But most people up uh, 90% are going to get a fever and then a cough, (coughs) 68%. (laughs) And so coronavirus symptoms remain mild in the vast majority of the population. 85 to 89% is just mild. And so 11 to 15% will progress to severe clinical symptoms. A lot of symptoms are recognized when people actually go to the hospital there. And so why is this so alarming? Why is coronavirus so alarming? Well, the World Health Organization has recently declared coronavirus that it's a public health emergency of international concern, of international concern. Globally, the alarm is this. Here's Here's why. It's not because of the fatality rate. That's extremely low. Again, it pales in comparison to the other two outbreaks of the coronavirus. What is the great concern is the number of people and the spread You take 126,000 times 1% or 0.1, it's a lot of people. But that's the great concern there. And so, what kind of research is being done? There's robust research that's being done on the coronavirus to develop a vaccine. It's called Novel, and the reason it's called Novel is because there is no vaccine right now. There's no way to treat it right now. So in the medical community, what they're doing is they're testing things like interferon, chloroquine phosphate, um, antiviral medicines, um, RNA polymerase inhibitor, and so uh, uh, those type of things, even Chinese medicine products. So they're being tested globally and aggressively to try to find a cure for that. So what prevention should we take? You already know this, and I'm just telling you what you already know. So you have got to wash your hands a lot, because think about it. Uh, if somebody uh, sneezed on this, and I touch it, Okay, I touch it and then I touch my mouth, I'm at risk of getting coronavirus. And so you wanna in public places, especially like bathrooms, the doors, you wanna you wanna open the door like this or I even grab a towel before I'm gonna open it, I'll have a towel in my hand and hold it and open it with a towel. So you just wanna be it's not a bad idea to do at any time actually. And so so you just want to—you want to be wise. You want to be wise. Understand the science behind it. Don't get hyped up by the media uh, because a lot of times they have a political agendas. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. They have political agendas, and they're leveraging their political agendas there. And so, uh, but you, you want to have, be wise, have minimal physical contact in public places. It's wise not to shake hands. And so we're not going to be doing that for a while here. So that is the medical research i'll update you on that and uh if you if you want that uh you you can have all my notes if you want that you can just uh call the church office and we will send you an email of everything that i just told you there and so as christ followers like how do you react How do you react? Like, what do you do? So I just want to frame our thinking about that. Because without a doubt, we have to be prudent. We have to be responsible. We have to be wise here, both in observing the the recommended measures and maintaining our own health but also not overreacting in hysteria, getting caught up in the the hype of the hysteria that I think is more than what the coronavirus really is. And so the world population is in such a panic here, and we do need to be concerned again, but it's really not a reason to freak out to the levels that people are freaking out here. Really, you think about it, it's a microbe, and from a Christian world viewpoint, God is in control. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is bigger than microbes. God is bigger than coronavirus. That's not to minimize anything, but that is to say that we need to trust in God and let our thinking, the Bible says, let your minds be renewed. Let your minds be renewed. So hopefully this morning, our minds uh, and our online audience, our minds will be renewed in the truth of what God has said. And we'll lean into that at least as much as we lean into Facebook and social media and everything else. So let's let our minds be recalibrated by what God has said. And so what do the scriptures have to say that might shape our thinking in response to the coronavirus? So I'm going to give you just five five points here on this. So first of all, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he said, Be anxious for nothing. Does that include the coronavirus? Come on, somebody. That includes the coronavirus. Don't be freaked out, he said, in our vernacular, for anything. He said, be anxious for nothing but in everything. okay. Let your prayers be made known unto God. And the peace of God will fill your hearts. I wonder perhaps people don't have peace because they're not doing this very thing. So in other words, he's saying this, listen, could we just put like a little bit of our, more of our energy into prayer rather than to panic? That's all I'm asking of us. And so the point is what we, uh, I'm sorry, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, the scriptures will be on the screen here. And our hope, watch, for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in sufferings, you'll also share in God's comfort. I want to point out this, that the point is what you know. What you know is so important. You want to get back to what you know and walk by what you you know to be true. And so what we know is this, is that we know that this is a huge crisis here. But what we know is that Uh, God is greater than that, and he can give us hope that we can stand firm. Paul said immovable and unshakable, we can stand firm there because of what we know. What do we know to be true? That's what I want to talk about this morning here. And so we can have confidence in what we know, we can have courage in what we know, and we can be calm in what we know. And so, remember, number one, here's, so I have five points for you to shape your thinking. This is number one. Remember that not everything that we hear is true. It's not all true. Proverbs says this, the gullible believe anything, and they're told, but the prudent, they sift and they weigh every word. The prudent, they sift through it. They weigh every word there. And so, not everybody that speaks to us is telling us the truth. Again, they have agendas, and so on the internet or social media or TV or radio, we just can't believe what they say. The other thing, too, is they, they don't necessarily even know the science. Like, they're not doctors that, that live in that world, so they don't know the science and the medicine behind it that can really speak with authority, and so not everybody who is talking about the crisis really is worth listening to. They're not worth listening to. And so I'm, I'm telling you and I'm asking you to like, be selective with who you listen to there. And so, again, they have agendas. There's political uh, political ad- advantage that they're trying to to leverage there. And so they start talking about the conspiracy or blaming or fault-finding or scoring political points. That's just a dead giveaway. I shouldn't be listening to this person here. And, so, and by the way, doesn't it bug you, the price gouging? Does that bug anybody in here besides me? Like, I saw a little, a little bottle on the internet. Uh, my son showed me. It's $50 for a little Purcell thing of, man. I'm sure some of you thought, I wish you would have bought some Purcell before the, this happened. But um, so, so here's what I recommend to you. I recommend that you Google. Just Google the New England Journal of Medicine. It is the most prestigious, most, uh, most unbiased, most respected journal that there is that's been around for a couple hundred years. And so just go to that if you have questions, and they're publishing a lot now. And so Proverbs says this, the prudent man always acts out of knowledge, not just out of, of what he hears or she hears, but out of knowledge, not out of fear or feelings, but out of facts there. And so uh, not fakes or fallacies or fake reports there, but The the truth there. So Proverbs 23 says this, get the facts at any price and hold tightly to that which makes good sense. And so we just want to be prudent. Number two, number two, remember that not everyone with respect to the coronavirus is at the same risk. I already talked about that. There's a dramatic difference in the risk that people are at. And so again, if you have pre-existing condition, that affects you much more there. And so my recommendation and exhortation to you is, if you do get sick, then just stay home. Or if you're vulnerable, then stay home. If you're in those categories where you have uh, you know, kidney problems or liver problems there, or pre-existing conditions, upper respiratory problems, uh, cardiac, uh, high blood pressure, those things... Uh, um, or your doctor tells you, hey, you need to stay home, then do that. Just be wise about it. And so Sanctuary Church, I'm, re- I'm recommending that if it makes sense to stay home, then just stay home there. And so, again, there's, there's no immunity to it and there's no vaccine, so you don't want to put yourself at unnecessary risk there. Number three, this I think is really important. Remember, this will pass. Uh, I believe that we, we, we act like this is forever and like it's the end of the world. This is going to pass. Come on, somebody. Uh, I mean, 9-11 passed. Uh, y- 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 you remember um, Y2K? It passed. I'm not minimizing this in any way. I'm just saying that it's going to pass. A vaccine will be found and, and it will pass. And so... The Bible speaks to this. In 1 Peter 4:12 it says, "Dear friends, don't be surprised and don't be shocked when you face painful trials or fiery tests in life. Don't be surprised about that." So in 2 Corinthians says, "For our temporary, okay, our temporary and momentary troubles, which are just for a moment, will work in us a far more exceeding uh hope of glory there so uh, so just recognize that this is going to pass and so we want to do everything we can to hasten that and so now the next uh, truth that I want to give you here I believe is also something you need to build your life on it can re- minimize your stress and it can create stability within, within you if you don't feel like you're, you're, you're able to be stable in the midst of this crisis and this is it remember what you want to focus is not just on everything that's changing because the news is changing rapidly every day. Every day it's changing. So to remember... To focus your eyes, your affections of your heart, the disposition of your life, focus on what is unchanging and what you know to be true about God, about your life there. And so the key to stability during a crisis is that you, you're not focusing on everything that is changing. This is, this is a, a broader point for your life, but you focus on what is unchanging. That's how you can be stable in the midst of this and anchor your life on that which never changes. That's what we want to do is have lives that are anchored here. And so knowing this, James said in James chapter 1, he said, knowing this, that the trying of your life works patience. What? Knowing. Again, you got to get back to what do you know. Well, what do you know? Okay, this is what you know. You know that God knows everything that you're going through. Our lives are spent as a tale which has been told. He knows the end from the beginning. So God knows every stage. God knows every phase. God knows every crisis. God is not surprised. He knows, he's seen all of history. And so, God has the power to change the situation, to change your personal situation. So what we know to be true about God, God's love will never change. His goodness towards you will never change. His grace will never change. Remember in the days ahead in this crisis, base your life on what is not changing and lean into that there. So maybe a little less listening to the internet and a little more listening to Almighty God. Number five, and I've been waiting to say this, God is greater than coronavirus. I'm telling you, you would think that people think that the coronavirus is greater than God. By the way that we're reacting, like the coronavirus has got like one up on God. God actually has one up on the coronavirus. And so... Jesus' followers were in a boat with him crossing the Sea of Galilee and they got just utterly freaked out, thought they were, it was it for them. And a, and a hysteria on that boat, which I think in some ways rivals the hysteria in our culture, that they thought that was it for them and they had hit the panic button To the extreme. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. And I think that if he was here this morning and we could get a couple comments out of Jesus, he would say to us, Do not be afraid. And so if you could take his words and run with what God has said confess to him but we don't need to be afraid we don't need to live in fear God is greater God is greater than anything we will ever face and so I think as we prepare to close and worship and replace your panic with prayer replace your worry with worship replace your your anxiety with adoration. And let your eyes be upon him, the author and the finisher of our faith. The drama and the hysteria could continue to escalate before it's over. But just stay centered. You're a Christ follower. Stay centered in him who has called you and is for you and not against you and makes a way for you. And so let's pray. And so, Father, thank you for this morning that we could be together. Thank you that you are the shepherd of our soul. Thank you that even when we go through the the darkest valley, we don't need to fear danger, for you are with us. And you, you are the God who, who comforts us. And, Father, I pray for our nation. I pray for our nation in light of the the potential of the coronavirus. And, Father, we know that you you are sovereign over this virus. And we pray for your protection over this community and over our homes and over our families. And so, Father, I pray that we would not live in fear. I pray for our administration, for Vice President Pence and the president who have decisions to make that affect our nation and affect us globally. I pray for wisdom for them. I pray for a shield of protection around our families. We pray for first responders around the world who are working on the front lines, who are, are dealing with the sick and the dying and the fearful. Father, we pray that you give them strength and wisdom and endurance. Father, we pray for our local schools and the leaders and the continued decisions that they have to make. We pray for our political leaders around the world as they implement strategies that will slow the rate of the transmission of the virus. We pray for the government. We pray for the scientific and the medical community. They would be able to discover, uh, deploy, develop strategies uh, to combat this virus. So, Father, we look to you and you alone, and we thank you that you are God and you are greater than the coronavirus. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you.